If you've got a baby boomer in your life, looking at you, mom and dad, you've probably got experience troubleshooting some obvious tech problems. Yeah, it might help to connect to Wi-Fi before you try to stream the Rolling Stones again. <laughs> Just saying. To be fair, there are plenty of boomers who are quite adept with technology. Sometimes they're just stuck in old school ways. My parents are quite digitally savvy. They're on all social media. They do online shopping, etc. But I was shocked when my dad said, oh, I just bought my 2021 uh, calendar. <laughs> Not the sort of, I mean, like the physical, like agenda where, you know, where you have a diary, like one page for every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no way. Who does that anymore? That's Pinner Allpay from FIS WorldPay. Whether it comes down to old school ways or a little technological impairment, Pinner and her colleague Maria Prado say companies have to make things as easy as possible for baby boomers to get on board with digital shopping trends. Imagine if I knew exactly how your parents were going to come into my website and how they were going to start interacting with the products instead of them trying to figure it out by themselves. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. This season, we're taking a closer look at each of the five generations alive today and how they like to shop and spend their money. Armed with survey data from 15,000 consumers in 15 countries, experts from FIS tell us how the way we pay is changing across generations and around the world. How do age, culture, and technology interact to make the generations unique? And which global trends unite us all? Okay, boomers, it's your turn. The baby boomers who grew up during a time of rising prosperity value quality, service, and yes, convenience. Today, we have two guests from FIS WorldPay joining us to talk about why convenience and trust are essential to tap the unmatched spending power of this generation. Maria Prados is Vice President of Global Retail and E-Commerce, and Pinar Allpay is Senior Vice President of Global Payment Solutions at FIS WorldPay. Pinar, who are the baby boomers? The boomers represent the 76 million people born between 1946 and 1964. They were born during the post-World War II baby boom, and this is the only generation that's been defined by an official government body, the U.S. Census Bureau. They are called boomers because of the huge surge of births after World War II. And what characterizes them as a generation? Boomers rejected and redefined traditional values. They're also, as you said, the wealthiest, most active uh, generation, and they have the most disposable income for food, apparel, and also retirement. And they are characterized as committed, disciplined people uh, who live to work, and they value job security over everything. They are self-sufficient, resourceful, goal-centric, and they are competitive, given that there are so many of them. Oh, I never thought about that as a competitive group. That's interesting. So, okay, so that's how they're characterized as a generation. What characterizes how boomers shop and pay? 
Yes, so like you said, Erin, there's a large percentage that really dislike the hassle of shopping uh, rather than enjoy it, right? And they really rate convenience about everything else. So this is why probably they shop less frequent than other age groups. But as Pinar said, they are the wealthiest of our, uh, right now. So definitely something for all of the retailers or merchants to look at. They really buy quality and service and are less influential by bargains and discounts. And funny enough as well, they spend the highest amount per transaction at over $61. So as I said, this makes them a very attractive segment as they have greater amount of disposable income than all of the other generations. And in terms of channels before COVID, it was a generation of physical store. But obviously now, not by their own choice, but probably the lack of choice, but they've started to move online and security still remains a big concern for them. So something for everyone to look out. And then the last piece around more payment methods, as you can imagine, they prefer traditional payment methods like credit cards, which is their preferred one to use for holidays and big ticket items, and then cash in restaurants and smaller purchases. And they they have 70% of the disposable income. Yes, which is massive, right? That is massive. So let's talk about boomers and convenience. So I'm a Gen Xer. Um, I have boomer parents. So I'm very aware of this convenient aspect. Um, sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so and as you mentioned, they prize convenience and they find shopping a hassle. So Maria, how can merchants use this knowledge to drive sales and encourage purchases? Yeah, so like we said, this generation has been used in physical stores, right, as their preferred shopping channel for a while. So another exploring the new ways to interact with the merchants and the retailers to buy. But online and in-store has to be fully integrated in an omnichannel experience. And a shopper should be able to pick up where they left off in one channel and continue the purchase in another seamlessly, right? And Another big important piece is that they have to be constantly reassured about the security of the transaction as they are very wary about marketing techniques uh, as well, especially in the digital world. But the big thing is they want their product and they want it now, right? Yeah, exactly. And they, they also want to be able to get that uh, service that they're used to. So they actually do a lot of research beforehand, and that is many times done online. But like they want to know about their product. They want to know exactly how to use it, which you kind of imagine that same experience that you would have in a store, right? And uh, talking to that sales colleague in there that's going to actually recommend you, which is going to be the best, I don't know, sound system for your TV or whatever it is. Okay, so with with boomers in mind, Maria, talk us through a truly convenient shopping experience and what that looks like online for a boomer who's used to going to a store, but now they're switching to online. I think the first thing I would look at is how to build trust with the customer, right? Which is probably a bit harder to do online than it is face-to-face -face when you have a person interaction. But our research shows some very simple and very effective ways to achieve this. So for example, shoppers feel that they can trust websites that have logos of the payment methods that they're offering right from the beginning on the homepage, 
right? So for example, if you're going to be offering PayPal or you are accepting Visa, then you should definitely put those logos right from the beginning because that would make the shopper and our baby boomers feel more, have more trust on that website. And then another very simple one as well is around a lock symbol at the checkout. So this actually doesn't mean anything, but putting a lock symbol on a checkout just makes everyone feel much more comfortable and thinking that that website is secure. Just for everyone's knowledge, it does not mean that the website is secure. It's just a symbol that you put on the user experience. Uh, and then, as we said, it is convenience, right? So it's very, very important to streamline this purchasing journey at checkout. And we need to optimize that payment journey from both sides. This new generation cannot go through a lot of different steps at checkout because then they're just going to either feel lost or they're just going to drop out. So we just have to reduce it to very simple one-click checkout if possible. But then also operationally on the retailer or the merchant side, they just need to optimize the payment so that whenever this person has paid or your mom and dad have actually gone through all of the process and they've made the purchase that all of the good transactions made it through and that we get the right acceptance rate. Because if then something doesn't work on the operational side, and on the back end and we get a rejection, this is going to influence extremely badly into these people that are only now starting to get used to. Allaying security concerns and offering convenience. Something that Amazon did well with its game-changing one-click checkout option. And it's not just Amazon anymore. One click is the idea that consumers could enter their billing, shipping, and payment information just once, and then simply with the click of a button, buy something going forward. And it doesn't matter which device they're on or uh, which website they are shopping from. And when Amazon launched this in 1999, it was a breakthrough because the idea of hassle-free shopping was unheard of at that time. And at that time, Amazon also secured the patents for that in 1999. And they've enjoyed the benefits of that ever since. But the patent expired in September 2017 which paved the way for other one-click payment methods, including card scheme wallets. So at that time, so Amex, Discover, MasterCard, Visa have all launched their own versions of one-click. Then came Secure Remote, com remote Commerce, which then evolved to Click2Pay. And this refers to a one-click checkout option for the four card processors that customers can use when making a purchase online. It could be a website, a mobile app, or any other digital channel. It works on laptops, smartphones, PCs, tablets, and any other electronic devices. This is de designed to replace the guest checkout process, and it's consistent with the checkout in physical stores where you know, there's only one terminal and one way to pay. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, because when Amazon started this in 1999, I didn't realize it was that early. They were just booksellers at that point. And then it transitioned to the marketplace, which just started a whole new world. And you talked about that convenience, especially with the phone. I am horrible at text typing. I have a fat finger and like, so I'm constantly <laughs> messing stuff up. So that, that one click to pay really, really does make it so much easier. 
And now you can also secure your passwords on your phone, on your mobile, on your browser, which makes it even easier to, you know, just log into your online wallet, no matter what it is, like one click. You don't even have to remember your passwords anymore. And then you can complete your purchase online because there also your um, shipping address, etc., is stored. So everything just flows seamlessly which means that this is especially sort of appealing to baby boomers who have been uh, used to shopping um, in store. And now with the sort of, uh, advent of COVID and other factors, they are now being sort of forced online. And it's basically a way to make them feel more comfortable with online shopping. Right. And as we've mentioned, that personalization is very important because boomers like quality, trust and service over discounts and bargains. And as we've said, they spend more on average for every transaction. They make fewer purchases, but they spend more than a millennial who may be on there a lot more, but spend a lot less. Exactly. And so if you think about this of generation pay reports, you know, statistics indicate that, you know, baby boomers prefer cards when shopping or booking online. They're less likely than other generations to adopt new payment methods. So anything that makes card payments more streamlined and online checkout experience more personalized without sacrificing security would appeal to baby boomers. Creating that personalized experience requires good data. And though it may seem impersonal, Maria says that artificial intelligence is also key. So they can predict based on what your purchasing habits have been before, what is going to be the next one. So imagine if I knew exactly how your parents were going to come into my website and how they were going to start interacting with the products. Instead of them trying to figure out by themselves, I would just put it on their face, right? So they just, it is just so easy for them. And this has a very, very important implication for payments as well, because There's a lot of very different payment methods, as you know, and different people want to pay different ways, depending on the price of the item or the basket, depending on even what type of industry they're buying from, if they're buying a vacation or a holiday, or if they're just buying like some electronics. And right now, you just have to go through a not optimized experience, you would have to go through all of the different payment methods and all of the options. If I know because my AI tools know exactly which is your preferred option for that, then that that would be like even the only one if we want to keep it super simple. And then you will just go through it, right? So it has this implication, not only on the marketing piece to target better, but also just to completely and fully personalize that experience that each of the shoppers are expecting from you. So talk us through the most common touch points on the baby boomer omnichannel customer journey and how some of those can be personalized. Sure. So all the time you start with browsing, right? So you browse for the product. And like we've said before, baby boomers really want to get as much digital as possible before they buy to really understand what is it that they're going to be buying. They are thorough on the research and they actually feel fairly comfortable on doing it online. Features like reviews or even live chat 
to ask questions as they do the whole browsing is extremely important. Then once they have selected what to buy, you go more into the conversion or the purchasing kind of step. And in here, their preference had always been to do it in store, like we were saying. And that's kind of like what they're used to. But now with the pandemic, it is really the time to support them to say, uh, hey, you know what? You can actually finalize your purchase here online without having to go and leave your, your house. And this is the piece, again, links back to when we were talking about building trust. Like we said, making sure that they see that it's a, the security is there, that it's a secured website, all over that they have the payment methods that they feel comfortable paying because, yeah, although there's many new payment methods that are now growing extremely fast, like Pina was saying before, they might not even think about using any of them, right? So uh, why bother? Just go to the ones that they're going to feel comfortable with. And then I think it's very important also not to forget about the after purchase support. Right, because this generation uses email actually quite a lot. And that is kind of the, their main kind of digital communication piece. So make sure that they've received those confirmation emails right after they've paid. If there has been any problem with the payment, you just have to explain it really and handhold them through that experience into this is what's happened. And then the return policies, if it's going to be a physical product and how is that going to work and always reassure them that they're going to have their physical store in there anyway that they can always go to and return or whatever it is that they need. So Pinar, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the hurdles that merchants need to overcome to offer the successful personalization? The bar is very high. And we are at this very start of this journey of personalization, and uh, it requires a lot of data and the management of that data in a way that's going to be actionable for the consumer and going to add value to them. So the first hurdle there is the sort of this collection of data. And there it's very important to make sure that the data that the sort of consumer is being asked to give, they are convinced that it's secure. We talked about click to pay before and the improved online payment security is a, sort of, is a benefit of click to pay in the um, in-store environments. The chip and pin cards have been commonplace for a lot of years and they do a really good job of deterring in-person fraud. But most of the fraudsters have now shifted their efforts online, which means that we need to make sure that the consumers are sort of quite confident about the information that they give to you is going to be protected. And uh, in tools like Click2Pay, a digital identifier known as the token replaces the customer's data, which means that that customer data includes customer's credit card number, uh, making sure that the data isn't floating around on the internet. And this of the technology relies on analytics and biometrics to identify the legitimate card holders. So what this means is that, firstly, the data, important information about the consumer is stored, but also their browsing history, their, uh, the information about what they have previously bought is stored somewhere, which may, brings us to the second hurdle, which is data management. Many merchants indicate that their greatest personalization challenge is this gathering, integration, and the synthesis of that data. 
The third one is those of data analytics. So acquiring and maintaining in-house expertise in analytics and data science are key things for merchants. They need to make sure that this capability is there. And the sort of second stage of that is those of artificial intelligence and you know making sense of that data and sort of trolling through that sort of huge amount of information that's coming from your in-store environments as well as online, putting that all together and synthesizing it that in a way that you can use for security and anti-fraud purposes, but also putting in front of the consumer appropriate personalized offers and appropriate prompts to shop. So in this personalized experience, we know that boomers love it. And it's a lot of work for merchants to get it personalized. So what's in it for merchants? We have a lot of data on this. And personalization at scale in which companies have personal interactions with all or large segments of their consumers, delivers a 1% to 2% lift in total sales for companies, for grocery companies, even higher for retailers. According to BI Intelligence, nearly half, 44% of consumers, said that they are far more likely to have a repeat purchase after a personalized shopping experience. Additionally, 49% of consumers said that they'd be willing to pay more for products and services if they had a highly personalized experience. So it definitely, definitely pays off in this, from the perspective of creating additional sales. But also from a marketing perspective, these personalization programs can also reduce marketing and sales costs by around 10 to 20%. For, from a consumer's perspective, uh, we see um, successful personalization programs yielding more engaged customers that drive the top line for sure. So in, in general, uh, positive customer experience is hugely me- meaningful to the retailer's success. So Pinar, in wrapping up, what are your top three tips for our merchants listening today that want to appeal to baby boomers and satisfy their requirements? I think my first tip would be to have this streamlined cross-channel consistency and convenience that leads to personalization and high levels of service for baby boomers. The second one would be this frictionless payments experience that avoids the cart abandonment. I mean, we still talked about 70% cart abandonment overall, which includes like even Gen Z and Gen Xers. And the the third one, of course, is the security element and making sure that the boomers are completely assured of the security of their website, which actually then plays into the hand of this uh, one-click paying experience, which makes sure that even the merchants don't even have to keep the payment information of the shopper. So, So security, frictionless payment experience, and those personalized, seamless cross-channel consistency would be key for me. So Maria, what about online shopping and social commerce? How will that change in the future for boomers? I think that social commerce is a massive thing. I would say probably less for this Oh, yes. Generation. My father is never buying something off of Facebook. I'm sorry. It's just never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they are actually quite engaged with uh, social media, but uh, probably more to keep in touch with like just the rest of their families and friends when we all live abroad and see how their grandchildren are and things like that. That's they 
actually use it and engage it probably more than the younger generations. But translating that into a real sales channel, I think it's still very, very early stages and I'm not really... It is early stages, but I do, I'm not ruling it out, to be honest, because more and more they engage with the likes of Instagram and Facebook, etc. They're going to continue to see those ads and, you know, hopefully if the merchants are playing their cards right, Maria, I guess, uh, if they are sort of collecting that data on the, sort of, on the boomers and offering these personalized offers or things that they would be interested in relevant at the right time, then my view is that over time that is going to sort of result in more engagement of boomers in, in social media shopping. Yeah, I mean, I uh, agree. If I had to guess, for me, probably the biggest opportunity or next step for them in terms of uh, payment technology is going to be around digital wallets, I would say. So uh, they are very keen on using cards, for example. But as I think Erin, you touched on it before, the real state of like a mobile or even on a laptop many times of entering uh, or keying your very long card numbers and things like that is just not great. So I think digital wallets address the t their two key concerns, which is uh, convenience, because once you're in, then it's like a one-click checkout that you were talking about, Amazon one-click, but actually you don't only need, and you can use any of the other digital wallets to do one-click checkout. And then the other thing, which is uh, security, right? Which, as we said, digital wallets have that extra layer of authentication where they're going to be asking for their fingerprint or their face. And although this sounds like, oh, this is very innovative, as you, uh, why would they put their face? But actually, they're just dragged into it because the minute they get an iPhone or, or any smartphone, really, they're just going to be using that technology to unlock their phones, right? All right. So this is this is my favorite question of this episode. Which habits are baby boomers never going to give up? If I had to guess anything that you, they see in paper makes it somehow more real, <laughs> even when they take notes, it's always a piece of paper, kind of the face-to-face -face interaction in store. I really doubt that they're going to move 100% in digitally even with all of the innovation that is happening, they're probably going to engage more and more so, but they're always going to go back because most of their life they've been doing it, right? So it's very difficult to completely change around a generation that has been doing it forever in a different way. They would adapt and they would, of course, embrace some of the new technologies and some would 100% convert. But I just think that for the new changes to 100% stick into all digital, I, I highly doubt it. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Maria. I mean, I was, although my parents are quite digitally savvy, they're on all social media, they do online shopping, etc. But I was shocked when my dad said, oh, I just bought my 2021 uh, calendar. <laughs> Not the, I mean, like the physical, like agenda where, you know, where you have a diary, like one page for every day. <laughs> I'm like, no way. Who does that anymore? But yeah, so they're also still reading physical books, for example. So they're not going to go into like completely digital world, but the levels of adoption are definitely sort of changing. 
Pinner Alpay is Senior Vice President of Global Payment Solutions, and Maria Prados is Vice President of Global Retail and E-Commerce at FIS WorldPay. That's it for today's show. We'll wrap up our survey of the generations next time with some wisdom from our elders. Join us. <laughs>